Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. It is really great to be back with you guys. It has been much too long. Uh, I do apologize for, for the long break. Uh, part of it was Thanksgiving and um, traveling uh, much deeper down into Braves country as I was uh, at a uh, very um, enjoyable family reunion and uh, like most of you guys ate way too much over Thanksgiving and uh, ever since then uh, it has been busy uh, uh, in the real world but I'm really glad to be back as a lot has recently been happening with um, not necessarily the Braves uh, but with baseball as the winter meetings have concluded uh, a lot of uh, big names have signed um, some of them signing elsewhere and all of this does still affect the Braves in a lot of ways uh, as we are still waiting for uh, some some big uh, big things to drop uh, related to the Braves now before I get to that I really briefly want to um, congratulate Fred McGriff on being unanimously elected to the Hall of Fame by the Contemporary Era Committee um, Fred McGriff was my favorite player growing up and so this is near and dear to my heart that that he is finally recognized uh, as a Hall of Famer. He really should have been elected uh, by the baseball writers during uh, the regular 10-year uh, window that, uh, that players get uh, to be elected. 493 career home runs, um, a, a tremendous on-base percentage, uh, almost 2,500 career hits. Um, you know, McGriff was right in the middle of the steroid era and uh, was, you know, never had a hint of uh, steroid uh, rumors himself. Stayed clean. Uh, just an upstanding guy. If you've ever seen uh, an interview with McGriff, you immediately know he's probably one of the nicest guys, um, you know, in baseball. And so it was kind of head scratching that uh, he was just uh, never recognized for the excellence that he had. But he's one of those uh, just really consistently good players. Uh, every year, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. Um, he was never, you know, the top, top guy. He never won an MVP. Uh, but, you know, several silver sluggers, many, um, many all-star appearances. He was on some great teams. And, of course, he was on the 95 World Series team for the Braves. And uh, just to get to see him um, finally be recognized is really cool. I think the other thing that kind of hurt McGriff was he bounced around a little bit. So he was never with a team for, let's say, you know, eight or 10 years. So he didn't have one team that was really pushing for him or a fan base that was really pushing for him to be a Hall of Famer. He was with the Braves for about five years, but he was um, integral to the Braves winning that 95 World Series. Uh, he has tremendous stats in the postseason, if you ever look those up. So um, just really happy for McGriff. Again, one of my favorite players um, that ever wore a Braves uniform. I've always had a soft spot for uh, first baseman for some reason, and McGriff is um, definitely one of those guys. I think uh, the reason I loved him so much as a kid was that very famous um, bat finish, that high finish that he had, uh, just so unique and so cool when he hit a home run doing that. Uh, so anyways, Fred McGriff, um, hopefully he will go into the Hall of Fame with a Braves hat on. He has a couple of choices. I think he could choose. Some some guys choose to not have a specific hat. Greg Maddox did that because he was he kind of split his career with the Braves and Cubs. Um, McGriff 
I think played more games with the Braves than any other team, but he was also in Tampa Bay for a good number of years as well. So, um, yeah, it will be uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does there, but just super happy for him. So, anyways, let's move on to um, the big topic, and that is the um, ongoing free agency uh, period, signing period uh, for uh, baseball. The winter meetings ended a few days ago. Uh, here we are on Saturday, uh, and I'm definitely looking uh, as we do this podcast. I'll be refreshing a few times just make sure I don't miss any um, any news uh, that might come down the pike um, related to the Braves. Uh, but let's just continue on here. So uh, I wanted to break down uh, what's been going on specifically to the, the, the needs that we've talked about in the past. Um, the main, uh, those main areas that the Braves need to address, the shortstop position, uh, the outfield position, uh, left field specifically, and um, pitching as well. Uh, so let's start. I want to start with the pitching market. Uh, Jacob deGrom stunned uh, the baseball world, and maybe specifically the Mets, as he shunned the Mets and signed with the Texas Rangers. Um, and why did he go to the Rangers, who may or may not be uh, good during the five years he's there, is they offered him a five-year contract worth $185 million. No one was looking for deGrom to be able to secure five years, not because he's not great, but because he's had a lot of injuries the last few years. Um, over the last two years combined, he has not pitched basically a full year's worth. Um, he just has uh, had some elbow issues, some shoulder issues. Um, the way DeGrom pitches is so unique and so um, dominating, uh, but I think it has tremendous strain on his arm. So it's going to be really interesting to see if he's able to stay anywhere close to healthy during those five years. It's just a very, um, uh, very risky contract for the Rangers to give to DeGrom. They've been shelling out a ton of money over the last uh, two years to try to get better. But the impact of DeGrom signing, obviously uh, he leaves the National League East. So for the Braves, um, they don't have to face him near as much. So that's really nice. Um, but, you know, the Braves were also linked to attempting to sign DeGrom. This is very interesting news. Now, to what level? Maybe they just checked in. Uh, maybe they actually gave him, you know, a contract offer. That would be really interesting. Um, but if that is true, I think one thing it's showing us is that the Braves are willing to spend some money. Uh, it's It's been a little head-scratching, and we're going to talk about Dansby Swanson here uh, in more depth uh, later in this episode. but. Uh, it seems like, on one hand, the Braves are being, you know, kind of tightwads with, with Dansby and not giving him a big contract. And yet, if they're willing to sign DeGrom, um, obviously they would know that, you know, it'd be much more than what they were, were willing to go uh, go into, uh, you know, a contract with Dansby on. So uh, it seems like they are willing to spend money, but um, only on the right guy, right? Willing to spend for the right guy. Um, it also makes you wonder if they have simply moved on from Dansby, um, completely, you know, so, uh, it, I think it might give us some clues there, but uh, I don't think it's the only thing we can look at regarding Dansby, but I'm, I'm trying to view a lot of this through that lens and trying to leave, read the tea leaves a little bit. Um, so anyways, DeGrom onto the Rangers out of the National League East, 
Um, man, I was really hoping that the Mets would be left just totally uh, empty-handed uh, with their pitching staff because they had so many needs to fill this offseason. But they quickly strike uh, right after DeGrom signs, and they go out and get Justin Verlander, who, by the way, is 40 years old. Uh, but Verlander signs with the Mets for two years uh, over $86 million total. Uh, that contract also has a vesting option for a third year in 2025 with uh, if he pitches 140 innings in 2024, uh, which is kind of a funny vesting option. I mean, let's say Verlander is, you know, he's going to be 41, um, nearing 42 years old by 2024. Let's say he gets to 140 innings, but he's, you know, not very good. I mean, he's at a four and a half ERA and they're still going to pay him 30 some million dollars in 2025 with that vesting option. So it uh, remains to be seen there, but the Mets clearly knew that they needed to um, go out and get an elite pitcher. Verlander still is that. Yes, he's coming off of Tommy John, but Tommy John surgery seems to be something nowadays that a, a lot of guys can bounce back from really well, and Verlander proved that last season. So it's just a matter of, is Verlander kind of a Nolan Ryan type whose arm can can just go longer than most guys can, um, very possibly. He didn't seem very dominant in the World Series. I will say that as tremendous as he was last year, won the Cy Young at a, you know, um, the old, the ripe old age of 39, 40 years old. But um, it's going to be interesting to see. The Mets are really leveraging two older pitchers in Scherzer and Verlander to carry the load for them. Scherzer has also been kind of on and off the injury list the last two years. Um, so, man, I mean, this could go really well for the Mets for, for these two years that these guys were signed through, or there could be a lot of injuries and a lot of nothing uh, for the Mets. Uh, just another note, the Mets also signed Jose Quintana to a two-year $26 million deal. It just seems like uh, with these pitching deals, I mean, the Mets are going to have uh, nothing in terms of pitching after two or three years. But for this time period, uh, you know, they have this kind of clear window that they're creating with these guys. And the Mets are, it seems like they're not done spending. Uh, they are going to um, just continue to pay. And their their payroll is astronomical right now. Even if they don't do anything else, it's over $300 million and maybe even continuing to go up. All right, T1 Walker uh, signed. Uh, from the Mets and went to the Phillies in a four-year, $72 million deal. This is a really weird contract uh, because Tijuana Walker, while um, I might not be saying that right, Taiwan Walker, um, you know, he's been good at times, but he's also been on and off injured at times. And at other times, he hasn't been very good. Um, the Mets could have given him a qualifying offer, which would have been around one year, $19 million. Um, and they did not do that. And the reason they didn't do, it, do that is he probably would have accepted it and they would have been left holding what they would have you know, considered not a good value. And so they let him go and the Phillies basically give him four years of what's close to a $19 million contract. So just a, you know, $19 million a year. Uh, maybe the, the math is $18 million, but it's still, it, it's a, seems like a big overpay. And that seems to be what the Phillies are doing nowadays, overpaying for guys just to get them uh, in a Phillies uniform. And, hey, I mean, maybe they just have the money to burn. 
but it doesn't seem like very good value right now. So Taiwan Walker goes to the Phillies. We'll see how that uh, how that deal goes down. Uh, Carlos Rodon uh, seems to be the the best pitcher left on the market. Um, he's you know much younger than Degrom and Verlander, uh, but he does come with some injury history. But he was he was a great pitcher last year. I don't expect the Braves to be able to go out and get somebody like that. I don't think they're looking for that. But uh, we'll see where he lands. Uh, there's also two pretty quality pitchers left on the market with Chris Bassett and Kodai Senga. If you haven't heard of Senga, he's coming from Japan. Um, so you know those guys are typically hit and miss. Sometimes they hit really well. Um, uh, they do really well. Sometimes not so much. But um, he has been talked about as being a pretty solid option. Uh, that some teams are looking at as well. All right, so let's move on to the outfield market. Aaron, Ju Aaron Judge, uh, of course, you I'm sure you heard of this, signed a historic nine-year, $360 million deal. This is the highest um, annual value uh, that any uh, position player has ever signed in the history of baseball uh, when you hit 62 home runs. Uh, you're probably going to make make some serious bank, and he is definitely doing that as he returns to the Yankees. One interesting note is that um, it sounds like Aaron Judge rejected San Diego's $400 million offer for 10 years, uh, which is surprising that San Diego uh, stepped up and did that. Now, there have been some reports that they never officially offered that, but maybe they were in talks to do it. But nonetheless, San Diego seemed to be a surprise team that was in on him. San Francisco was also hoping to get Judge away from the Yankees, but he returns. And, you know, for him, I think it makes a lot of sense. If the Yankees are going to pay you $40 million a year, you get to stay there and possibly become one of the great Yankee legends. Um, there's there's a lot of, um, you know, pull to, to stay there. Um, Mitch Hanniger, um, a much lesser player than Judge, but nonetheless uh, a guy that – some people were thinking might be a good fit with the Braves, uh, accepted a three-year, $43 million offer from the San Francisco Giants. Hanniger does come with some risk. Uh, he's been uh, he's had a lot of injuries over his career, but when he is healthy, he is a true power-hitting corner outfielder. So the Giants got him um, in that deal. Brandon Nemo, I definitely want to mention this, uh, probably the best center fielder on the market, re-signed with the Mets in uh, what was also a kind of a surprising deal. This deal is for eight years, um, which is a lot longer than most people were thinking Nemo was going to get. Um, you know, Nemo is a solid player, but he is, you know, he's no nowhere near a dominant player. He's a, a quality player, but he's also, you know, this is going to take him into um, his very late 30s as well. And how is Brandon Nimmo going to age, uh, you know, at, at 37 years old? Is he still going to be roaming center field? And, you know, this was a eight-year, $162 million deal. You want to be paying Brandon Nimmo $20 million when he's 37, 38 years old. Uh, it seems kind of strange to me uh, that the Mets would – they Nimmo, all I can say is Nimmo must have had another really good offer, maybe a seven-year deal and the Mets tagged on a year to get him back. But again, I think what the Mets are doing, uh, it, it looks a little, maybe desperate is too too big of a word, but they know that they have a lot of holes to fill, and they are very dedicated to um, 
filling them. And, you know, Nemo is simply, they're just getting him back. Um, but man, they're having to spend a lot of money to do that. Now the Mets, the Phillies, clearly they have a lot of money to spend. Uh, but we know that you still want, you still want to make, uh, the right kinds of moves. You still want to bring in guys who are going to be able to perform at a high level for you for a long time. And I do wonder if that's going to be the case with Nemo. If he suddenly stops getting on base quite as much, if he slows down a step or two, uh, if that bat slows down at all, uh, then his offensive value plummets and his defensive value um, obviously is weakened as well. If he turns into a corner outfielder who's only hitting you 15 home runs a year and not getting on a base quite as much as he has in the past, uh, he's not a very valuable guy. He's certainly not about as valuable as 20 plus million dollars for eight years of that. So the outfield market, not as much as has happened there. You still have a few guys um, left. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, Michael Conforto, or maybe two of the better options. Conforto didn't play last year. He was coming off um, a shoulder injury that required a good bit of time for for that to heal but he's been pretty pretty solid player in the past um brandon drury i'll put him in there even though he's not purely an outfielder he's more of an infielder but he's a really good hitter coming off a very good year teams might view him um you know in that vein as well as someone you could put in left field benintendi i've talked about him in past episodes i i like benintendi um he doesn't um he's not the perfect player uh he doesn't have a ton of power but he gets on base a lot. He's a very good uh, defensive outfielder. Jury is more power, um, would be much less defense. Conforto is maybe somewhere in the middle um, and probably has the highest ceiling of all three of these, but he doesn't always reach that ceiling. So um, as far as free agents go, the outfield market is, you know, there's still some guys there, but maybe um, some imperfect uh fits for the Braves. Well, that is remain to be seen. All right. So let's move on to the shortstop market. We'll definitely spend a little more time on this as we want to talk about Dansby Swanson. But before we get to that, let's talk about who has, um, you know, these big four shortstops who is signed. So Trey Turner uh, returns to the East Coast. A lot has uh, actually had been made that he wanted to return to the East Coast. That's where he feels like he wants to be after being with the Dodgers for a couple years. Uh, and he signs with the Philadelphia Phillies for an, an astonishing 11-year, $300 million contract. This took everybody kind of by surprise. Philadelphia, this seems to be how they're doing things. Uh, they gave Bryce Harper a 13-year deal. Uh, they give Trey Turner an 11-year deal. These guys will be playing for the Phillies when they're 40 years old, it seems like. Uh, but they're doing this because it's keeping down the uh, average annual value of the deal. So Turner gets paid about $27 million a year, which is a little less than people were thinking he might make uh, per on a per year deal, but he still gets $300 million. Um, but man, I mean, these long-term deals, it does seem like the Phillies are sacrificing the future for the present. Um, yeah, they're going to be, I think the Phillies are going to have some real star players for the next five or six years who are going to be playing at a star level. But uh, when Trey Turner is 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, is he going to be the same player that he is right now? Is he going to be worth $27 million? No, I mean, probably not. Now, is he going to be worth more than $27 million, uh for the next four or five years? Probably so. 
Uh, so maybe they're just good with that. But I, I do still think uh, it's never a good idea to pay guys, you know, into their 40s this level of money. It's just really kind of shocking. Uh, and then Xander Bogarts um, gets a very similar deal from the Padres, 11 years, uh, $280 million, which also takes him into his 40s. Um, Padres uh, are never afraid, seems like, uh, recently to spend some money and make some moves. They were in on... Um, they were definitely in on Trey Turner. It sounds like he turned them down um, and maybe even turned down a little more money to go back to the East Coast and to Philadelphia. Um, and like I said, they um, Aaron Judge also rejected uh, an offer from San Diego. So Xander Bogart seems like plan, uh, plan C uh, for the Padres. And yet, I mean, he's a very, very good player, um, but he will be there for a very long time. Padres are interesting because they have a couple guys – uh, three guys now signed for a very long time with them. Uh, but, you know, they also recently got uh, Juan Soto. Uh, but but their pitching staff is kind of up in the air after this year. Uh, it will be very interesting to see what they do long term. So you have these long, massive deals that are being, being handed out uh, to some of the, the best free agents in baseball this year. And it just makes you wonder, what um, what a team is going to be willing to offer Dansby Swanson? Is there going to be a team out there that's going to, you know, come anywhere close um, to what has been done with Xander Bogarts, uh, with Trey Turner? A lot of people, even though Bogarts is the much better hitter uh, in terms of value, he's pretty close to Dansby. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just makes you wonder, is there a team out there who's going to give some kind of massive deal to Dansby Swanson? Uh, Mark Bowman, who is um, kind of the main MLB reporter for the Braves, reported a couple days ago that the Braves offered Dansby uh, around six-year deal, $100 million early on uh, in the offseason. Um, again, six years, $100 million. Compare that to a Xander Bogart's 11 years and $280 million. It makes that deal look pretty paltry. Um, and yet, I mean, that's what the Braves offered him. That clearly is around where the Braves must value him. So that's around 16 or $17 million uh, per year. Um, you know, Bowman also reported that Dansby reached out to Anthopolis um, during the winter meeting winter meetings uh, after not hearing much from the Braves. Uh, this feels very similar to what happened with the Freddie Freeman negotiations, except uh, Freddie never reached out to, to Anthopolis, you know, make of that what you will, but um, that didn't happen. So I think Swanson has kind of learned from that. He wanted to at least talk to uh, Alex Anthopolis, you know, on the phone and, and get some feel. We have no idea, of course, what was said in that conversation. Uh, Anthopolis said it was a good conversation. You know, he loves Dansby. He really respects him. Um, but it doesn't mean that anything is is moving forward on those negotiations. It just feels like, as we learned with the Freddie Freeman stuff, the Braves tend to set their price. Uh, this is where they value the player, and they don't budge from that. Um, Anthopolis does not um, bring emotion into these negotiations. Uh, and they don't, the Braves don't seem to be influenced by the rest of the market. If 
If someone comes in and wants to give Dansby Swanson $150, $160 million, um, then they'll, they'll be sad that Dansby goes, but they'll be willing to let him go. And, and so the more that this thing drags on, um, the more I feel like Dansby Swanson is very unlikely to be back with the Braves. My read on it is that the Braves, based off of what they offered him, um, $100 million over six years, my read is the Braves are not convinced that Dansby's bat long-term is going to be as good as it was this past year, especially as he ages. And I think that is very reasonable. Uh, you know, if you have, if you watch a lot of Braves games, you know that when Dansby's hot, he's one of the best hitters on the team. Um, but there are a lot of cold stretches. And even in this, which was his best offensive year, uh, it wasn't like he was one of the best hitters in baseball. He was a solid hitter um, who was a um, exceptionally good defensive shortstop. Uh, but if that defense wanes a little bit and his bat goes downhill, um, you know, he's not going to be anywhere close to worth $22, $24 million a year. And so I think the Braves really value guys who can bring the offense more consistently. And so you have these other teams out there who are clearly still in the shortstop market with only two guys remaining, right? You have Carl Carlos Correa, who's going to demand a really massive contract. And then you have Dansby Swanson, who teams might view as the better value. Uh, you don't have to throw, you know, close to $300 million at Dansby Swanson. Uh, you might be able to throw half that amount at him and still be able to get him. So, you know, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Giants, the Twins, all these teams seem like they could offer Dansby Swanson a much bigger contract than what the Braves are offering. There might be even other teams out there that um, haven't been talked about. Um, I think, you know, the Chicago Cubs seem like the best fit outside of, well, I mean, obviously the Braves are a great fit, but in terms of, you know, the price tag, uh, Chicago is not, you know, they were able to unload a lot of big contracts. Uh, Chicago Cubs are always printing money because they have such a huge fan base. So it just seems like a really good fit for um, where, where Swanson could end up. I mean, a great fan base. Uh, Dansby would basically become the face of the franchise as they rebuild. And I don't think they're actually that far away from being able to contend in what is a pretty weak um, National League Central. And oh, by the way, his wife or his, well, actually wife today because they're getting married, uh, Mallory Pugh plays uh, for the Chicago women's uh, soccer team. So uh, that all kind of makes sense um, for Dansby. I don't think he wants to leave the Braves. I mean, I'll make that very clear. I really think he wants to stay. Uh, but if, and I think, I think he would take a small discount for the Braves. Um, you know, if the Braves were offering 130 million and the rest of the teams were offering 140. He probably takes the the Braves offer. I I really do think that's true, you know. But if you're talking a gap of fifty million, sixty million dollars, um, it's it's hard to imagine uh, any player would would walk away from that difference of a contract. So I really think, you know, if I had to put a number on it, there there's maybe a twenty percent chance that Dansby returns to the Braves. And honestly, I think I might be even. Um, optimistic with that number um i i do think it's possible the braves could come back with a hot with a bigger offer 
um, that's closer to what other teams are offering. And Dansby takes that discount and, you know, is happy with it. But I think that's not very likely at this point. So don't expect a deal to happen in the next few days, by the way. Like I said, Dansby is getting married, I think, today. I mean, I, I, I'm i pretty sure he's getting married today, this weekend. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's not likely that, you know, he's going to take time out of that day to uh, to sign a contract. Um, but maybe within the next week, we'll, we'll have a better idea of where Dansby Swanson will be playing um, over the long haul. So, yeah, just want to make the, um, the point once again. So because the Braves were apparently in on DeGrom, but only offering Dansby six years, $100 million, it's my take that they don't care as much about being over the luxury tax threshold as maybe what some people are making out of it. I have always had the, the notion, especially regarding Alex Anthopoulos, that he always hunts for value, value contracts. And whatever that means. So maybe that means, you know, if he could have signed a Grom to a $30 million contract over three years, okay, right? That's a value contract. Um, but he's not viewing uh, paying Dansby Swanson $20 plus million a year as value. And so he's not going to do that. Value contracts um, are much more likely to be found on the trade market, by the way, which is where I think the Braves are going to play for the rest of this offseason. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think that is the reality. Uh, the Braves have, have put a lot of money towards these extensions and all of those still seem to be good values, right? But uh, it has also brought their payroll up to a bigger number than it's ever been. So I want to spend the rest of this episode talking a little bit about uh, the trade market and specifically where I think the Braves could go. Uh, you guys might have heard, and I, I mentioned, I believe, last episode that Brian Reynolds of the uh, Pirates has requested a trade. Uh, that kind of makes sense. Uh, the Pirates are not going to be good anytime soon, uh, and Reynolds is basically entering his uh, his best years. Uh, he's 27 years old, um, and the Braves have been linked to uh, interest in Reynolds in the past, so this makes sense that they're certainly going to check in on him. Uh, the challenge for Brian Reynolds is he's a very good player with three years of control left, and a lot of teams are going to be interested in him. So the the price tag is going to going to be high. You're going to be competing with other other teams in terms of you know the best offer, uh, and it's certainly known that the Braves don't have the deepest um, prospect pool to to pull from. So uh, yeah, I mean he's he's not a free agent until 2026. He uh, makes around six um, six or seven million dollars each in the next two years. So, you know, he's not breaking the banks. Again, this is something that I think the Braves, obviously, you know, you get an all-star level player who's only making seven million dollars. That's an incredibly valuable contract. Uh, so when you start looking at who you're going to have to give up to get a guy like, uh, like Reynolds, uh, you know, I'm going to keep bringing these guys up and it's going to be, you know, William Contreras or Vaughn Grissom. I mean, these guys, while technically not prospects anymore, they are young guys under team control for a long time with a lot of talent. And teams, uh, you know, if you're going to get anybody of, of real value in return, you're going to be giving up probably one of those two guys. Um, so, yeah, I think a trade package of Contreras or Grissom, not both, Contreras or Grissom, maybe add Ian Anderson 
and one or two other pitching prospects. I do think Ian Anderson, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the Braves deal with him this offseason. Are they kind of giving up on him? Are, you know, are they trading him while he still has some value? Or, you know, do, you, do they feel like, no, we're not going to trade him when his value is this low um, and, and see if he can bounce back? You know, I'm not I'm not advocating to trade Anderson, but I do have my doubts uh, with the style of pitcher that he is if he can uh, return to form. I'm not saying it won't happen. I just say, you know, when you only have a fastball and a changeup, um, you know, when one of those pitches goes and a team can sit on one, um, and that's what seemed to be happening this past year, it wasn't very pretty. So, anyways, I don't want to talk too much about Ian Anderson, but yeah. Uh, Brian Reynolds definitely looks like a guy that the Braves are going to want to target. Again, a lot of teams are going after him, so it might be difficult to get him. Um, the Diamond, the Diamondbacks recently a report came out that they could be uh, looking to offload one of their outfielders. Um, they have uh, one of the best prospects in baseball, um, Corbin Carroll, I think is his name, who is pretty much ready uh, to you know come to the majors, and so they have a. They have like four or five other pretty good outfielders on their on their roster. So it seems like they might be willing to make a trade if it benefited their team. Now, the Diamondbacks are interesting because they're also kind of getting ready to compete. Uh, they had a pretty good year last year. So I don't think they're going to want, you know, prospects that are really far away uh, from coming into the major leagues. With that in mind, uh, Dalton Varsho and Jake McCarthy are two that might be um, – you might be able to get these are both very interesting guys. I mentioned Varsho actually uh, last offseason as a guy I really liked, and he had a pretty solid season. Um, I actually think he offensively he's more capable than what he showed last year, but still a pretty good, pretty good year. So Varsho um, actually probably has a similar trade value to Brian Reynolds, if you can believe it, uh, because he is under control for much longer and he's shown a lot of promise. Um, he Hit 235 last year, uh, only a 302 on base, which is pretty low, but a 443 slug, which is pretty solid. 27 home runs. He also had 16 stolen bases, and he also has a lot of value as a defender. He's a he's an interesting guy because he came up in the majors as a catcher, but his main issue was he didn't have much of a throwing arm, and he was still pretty athletic. So he got moved to the outfield, and he's shown very quickly to be a very good defensive outfielder. Because his arm isn't quite as good, you probably would put him in the left, and this is where you know the Braves need uh, somebody anyway. So as a young guy who you know already is showing a lot of power and a lot of ability in other places, this seems like you know something the Braves might do. Uh, the other guy, like I mentioned, Jake McCarthy, had a good um, first showing in the bigs, uh, finished fourth in Rookie of the Year voting, of course behind two Braves. Haha. <laughs> um, you know, he is less proven than Varsho. Varsho was, I think, this was his second full year up. Um, McCarthy was a pretty high uh, draft pick out of Virginia. Um, he's less, like I said, less proven than Varsho, but but looks pretty solid. I mean, he had a really good year last year uh, in not like a, you know, he, I think he had 300 or 400 uh, plate appearances, but hit 283. Uh, with a 342 on base percentage, which is pretty nice, and a 427 slugging percentage. So maybe not quite as much power as Varsho gives you, but seems to be a pretty good all-around hitter. He also had 23 stolen bases in 26 um, tries, so pretty nice there. Seems to be a pretty solid 
uh, defensive outfielder as well. So McCarthy would not be as expensive as Varshow, and he also comes with a lot of controllability over the next several seasons. So I think those two guys could be uh, guys that the Braves look at. But, you know, I think the Braves are going to be scouring the market uh, for for outfielders, and, and you could see them targeting somebody we're not even thinking about. Uh, a couple other guys, you know, that I've heard could be on the market, uh, Anthony Santander of the Orioles. I think if they got the right return back, maybe they would be interested in that. Um, he's kind of similar to Varsho in some ways. He's shown some shown some power. Um, he's also a switch hitter, which is which is interesting. Uh, Max Kepler of the Twins has also been out there. I think he only has one year left. Kepler is a very good defensive outfielder. Um, he's not been uh, the best offensive piece, so I don't know that the Braves would do that. I think they're going to want to look at somebody who's going to you know have some impact offensively. Uh, the other guy I'll mention just because he's been mentioned a lot um, surrounding you know just being available is the Guardians, um, the Cleveland Guardians, Ahmed Rosario. Now, he is primarily a shortstop, and a lot has been made that he could be a cheap shortstop option for the Braves if Dansby Swanson walks. But he also has some outfield experience. He's a little bit of a utility guy. Um, and, you know, he's not a super inspiring offensive player, but he's not bad. I mean, he's uh, he's going to give you some some value there. So, you know, the fact that he could play both of those, maybe he is a pretty good fit for the Braves. Um, you know, so like I said, I think the trade market is where the Braves are going to do most of their work this offseason. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine that they would let Dansby Swanson walk and not address either shortstop or left field in any major way. It's really hard to imagine that would happen. Um, but I do want to mention two other possible moves. One that I mentioned in the past, but thinking about where the Braves could kind of shock people. Um, and I think the Braves do, you know, move in the market a little more stealthily than a lot of teams. Uh, you don't tend to hear about, you know, the rumored guys. Uh, you don't hear a lot of Braves rumors out there because they're pretty tight-lipped about the guys they're actually looking at. Um so the first would be that the Braves trade for Willie Adamas. Now, I've mentioned this chance, this possibility in the past, but the reason I would say this would be a surprise, the Brewers have been pretty vocal in uh, shooting down these rumors. They're saying that they're basically not going to shop anyone in their core of players, and Adamas is definitely within that group. Um, but that being said, you know, if, if the Braves are active behind the scenes and give a, a good a good offer to the Brewers, maybe it happens, and uh, especially if if Dansby walks, um, I think you could see you know a similar situation where the Braves went out and got got Olson when they knew that Freddie Freeman was not going to come back and that deal was not going to work out. All right, the other big shocker, and you guys might think I'm nuts, okay, but that the Braves trade for Shohei Otani. Now again, the Angels have been very clear that they are not shopping Shohei Otani this off season. But he does have only one year left before free agency. Um, I've mentioned that I think the Braves uh, are in love with Shohei Otani. Uh, of course, a lot of teams are. Um, this obviously doesn't address outfield or shortstop, but it makes them much better um, in their pitching staff and at the plate as well, obviously bringing in your primary uh, DH. Now, if this were to happen, I think – 
this would require obviously a, a pretty major um, you know trade package for the Braves to put together to get Otani. It would probably be like a combination of Von Grissom and Contreras, maybe plus another pitching prospect or two. Or the other one I had in mind was Kyle Wright, plus Von Grissom or Contreras, plus a pitching prospect. Now, again, if you're getting Shohei Otani, then maybe you do have to give up somebody like a Kyle Wright to get him. Uh, but remember, not only are you adding him to your pitching staff, but you have a really good DH uh, as well in that lineup. So, um, And, of course, if, you, if the Braves did this, you would imagine that they would extend him long term. So, yes, that would probably shock the baseball world if it actually happened. I do think it's possible, um, you know, if the Angels come to grips with where they are as an organization, uh, they also are um, currently, you know, on uh, the block to be to be bought. And that might happen by the beginning of the offseason or sorry, by the beginning of the regular season um, or spring training. And so you could see something kind of late happen there. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, it it makes some sense, but it would be it would be a, a huge shocker. Um, I just think the Braves are hunting any kind of deal that will make them better. Um, and, you know, there was there was talk that they uh, they checked in with the athletics on Sean Murphy, who's a catcher. That was a little bit of a head scratcher uh, early before the winter meetings. You know, the Braves are so strong at catcher. But, you know, I think it just proves, and, and that's, they're probably not going to get Sean Murphy at this point, but that just proves that the Braves are looking under every rock um, for, for value and to make the team better. And it might not fit perfectly in, in terms of the areas of need that we think they're going to address. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm, I'm very interested to see where Dansby Swanson ends up. Um, if you are, you know, if you love Dansby, um, you know, start preparing yourself uh, that, you know, he might be gone. And look, I am not rooting for Dansby Swanson to go. I, I like the guy. Now, I do. he's a little bit of a frustrating player offensively, for sure, less so this past year. But, um, but he's a great guy. I mean, I think he's really crucial to the clubhouse. And losing Freddie Freeman in one year and Dansby Swanson in the next, it is going to certainly test the Braves' Uh, clubhouse in a lot of ways. Some guys are really going to have to step up, step up if that happens. But yeah, I don't think the Braves are going to be held hostage by these massive contracts that are happening. And um, I really do think there's going to be a team that wants to give Dansby Swanson uh, seven years instead of six and 150 plus million dollars. And and if that happens, I just think he's gone. Um, and we certainly would would wish him the best if that happens. But maybe I'll be surprised and Dansby will be back with the Braves and, and uh, things will be just as they've been in the past. So, all right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of State of the Braves. It was great to be back with you guys. Uh, and uh, once again, congratulations to Fred McGriff. Uh, Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer Fred McGriff. And we're hoping that maybe some other Braves will enter. It'll be just interesting to see if Andrew Jones gets... Uh, some more votes uh, as this um, Hall of Fame class um, will be announced soon. So, all right, guys. Well, I will hope to talk to you soon.